0: You know, every once in a while, we here at the podcast are going to take what I'm calling a deeper dive into one of the episodes that has already aired publicly. We're then going to take those extended conversations and make them available exclusively to fame members. And you have arrived at our very first example of this type of members only content. After Chris Powers and I recorded season one, episode seven, which you should go back and listen to if you haven't already she and I spoke more about how she preps for conversational solfege during the First Steps years. In other words, how Chris approaches intentionally choosing repertoire that she's going to use with her students in kindergarten and first grade that will also be used down the line during the conversational solfege years. So let's get to it. All right, so here we are again with Chris Powers, one of our dual endorsed famed teacher trainers, first steps in music, and conversational solfege, levels one and two. Take one of her classes, go to one of her workshops. She's fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, We just did a podcast episode where we did a deep dive into how your school district and you and your colleagues decided to run concurrent units, tonal units and rhythm units of conversational solfege. Uh, A big component of that seems to be how you use the first steps years, which generally speaking are pre-K, or-K, and first grade, how you really maximize your repertoire choices during those years so that it's really benefiting you and the students later. So could you just speak to that, how you do that, why you chose to be so intentional, and why you didn't just, for example open up the green first steps book and go to the back where there are three years of uh, sample lesson plans and just kind of follow those.
1: Right. Well, here's the thing for a newbie to the group, because I hope that there are newbies that are fame members that sure. are getting to listen to this podcast. Uh, I do encourage you to go to the back of the book and follow the lesson plans almost to a T Sure. because that way, A, you're learning all of the repertoire, you're getting really familiar with the format. Mm -hmm. Stick to that. Stick to that. But I'm in year 24 now Right. and probably about midway through, I'll I'll be honest with you, I never really followed the lesson plans in the back of the book because there were no lesson plans in the back (laughs) of the book when I started teaching first steps in music in... 1995. 9 hey. oh, let me get my cane. Back in the time of the phonograph. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, you, we were just taught how to design lesson plans that were tuneful, beatful, and artful, mm. which were not words back then either. Right. Um, but they were. They were the lesson we were. We learned from John how to design our lesson plans with the eight-part workout. Sure. And for newbies, follow the plans in the back of the book. Yeah. But. Once you get to know all of the repertoire, not only in the green book, but also in those little books, the book of echo songs, the book of call and response, once you get to know and really feel comfortable with all of that repertoire, start analyzing that repertoire. Discover which songs can be used later on for a literacy purpose. And teach those songs in the early years the songs that are appropriate to teach in kindergarten and first grade design your lesson plans with a future in mind hmm. so it, it's really about bang for your buck you want to pick repertoire that will come back and serve a literacy purpose but you still want it to fit in the framework of first steps and right, music.
0: right and we have the benefit i think of you know dr Feyerabend collected the repertoire so what's nice is You don't have to go out searching for it. It's there. Right. So you can feel already, like, if I'm choosing from these books, the supplemental books or the First Steps book, uh, I know it's quality, you know, it's authentic repertoire. Right. And now you're talking about now something on top of that. Uh, So pieces of music that are not only engaging and, and great to use, but have some longevity to them. Exactly. Exactly. As we said in the
1: first podcast... John had this dream of having certain folk songs come back uh, to serve different purposes in year, year after year, and to deepen students' understanding of those folk songs right. from year to year. And so that really spoke to me when he said that in some class. I can't even remember what class it was. And I said, that's really how I want to design my uh, experience for my elementary students, right. right? I want them to have a deep understanding of these core, folk songs
0: right.
1: um, that will come back and back. Because isn't that part of the 30-year plan, too? Right. Because if they can sing the song, but then they can decode it rhythmically, and then they can decode it tonally, I think that song is then part of them. Yeah, absolutely. And then in 30 years, when they go to have their babies or whatever, maybe those songs will have stuck with them, and then they'll be passed on. Yeah. So there's there's that whole bigger picture. It does take some planning, it does take a level of organization mm-hmm. that, in my case, is a bit obsessive, but really... And we benefit from that, <laughs> so I thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> but I think the key is to really having a grasp of the repertoire and a grasp of both curriculums to be able to do the, the deeper dive into right. the planning part of it. Okay. It does take some planning.
0: So, I mean, here's just what I want to ask. Can you share some of your, some of the work you've done with us? Is that something you feel?
1: Yes. I mean, I think, you know, I think uh, about what the toughest unit is rhythmically for uh, teachers to teach and students to grasp. Mm-hmm. And that's unit three. The do, de do, de do, da, de do. And ironically, that's really our mother tongue because right. it's more than half of the nursery rhymes oh, right. that are out there are in that. But kids are not coming to us having heard those. Or if they do hear them, they hear really contrived, yeah. overly produced versions. Commercial. Yes, commercial. commercial versions of them. So it's kind of like that backwards design again.
0: Right.
1: I think about the end product and what I want my students to be able to do by the end of unit three. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the repertoire that's in the conversational solfege uh, purple book. And I say, but this song... I can teach in kindergarten. Or this rhyme, I can teach in first grade. And so I really map out, I look at the entire unit and I say, these two rhymes would be great in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. These three songs would be great in first grade. And these would be excellent in second grade. So I try to map out what songs I want to be familiar, what rhymes I want to be familiar So that by the time my students get to third grade, they've got 12, 14, 16 songs Hmm. for that unit that are familiar.
0: Right. So what you're saying is you go to the purple conversational solfege book and you say, okay, I'm going to look at unit three. I'm going to go through every piece. And now um, I'm looking to see what's appropriate um, for my kindergartners for my first graders because if I do that as part of the eight part workout right I know it's an authentic piece of folk music it's a high quality piece of yeah. folk music it's engaging and they're doing it in first grade say now I have this really big bonus of I've given you this repertoire and when we get to unit three proper in conversational solfege when you're older we're just going to Bring all these pieces for, you know that we learned a long time ago yes yeah.
1: and in the fire robin fundamentals book there is the special considerations chapter right um and there's a whole section on unit three where i actually list the repertoire right that i use in each grade oh, so or maybe it's not listed by grade but it's all the repertoire that i use in the early years Chop Chop chippity Mm -hmm. chop, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. I mean, there's it goes on and on and on. So many all of the pieces that you can use. um, Sailor, sailor, we can play that game in second grade. Um, So there's so many repertoire choices. So that when we hit the ground running, as you say, for unit three proper, we have got that entire library of repertoire.
0: Right, and it's not just you learned two pieces you know, that have the quarter note and eighth note, you know, and triple meter. You have, you know, six pieces, eight pieces, 13 pieces. Exactly. Uh, and there are some pieces that are more appropriate. And and
1: ironically, they're even in the green First Steps in Music right, book. Right, right. So.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask. Are Is that always the case? Or is it, um, know, how am I trying to say this? So if there's a piece that could be used from the purple book to in the, Green Book years and the first steps years. It's is it always in the green book? Nope. That's interesting. So that's
1: and I love that. I never that's thought about why it like John that. always says the reason the purple book is a binder right. is so that you can plug in the extra repertoire hmm. that you want to use. Now think of it as a bigger picture. Right. You can also plug in the repertoire that you want to use in kindergarten. Right. To prepare for that unit three and if I were to show you my binder for conversational solfege purple book book one right I had to buy a different binder wow because you just hole punch and you stick the copies in of music Man, I'm that feeling just kind fits of like in. a loser
0: because I, I don't <laughs> I just use what's in there <laughs> <laughs> Do not feel like a loser. I am not very resourceful. <laughs> but yeah, I never even thought about that. Yes. And you can, I'm learning this from you, of course there are also tonal components for even Absolutely. later units. Absolutely. Um, my eyes are a So open.
1: you just have to find the the songs that serve three purposes, right? Mm-hmm. In the early years, they help students become tuneful, beatful, and right. artful. For a rhythmic literacy piece, they might come to play in unit one, unit two, unit three. Right. But then there are certain songs that fit into all three, right? Right. So I was, I was trying to think, like, there's a ton of songs.
0: Well, let me know what they are, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, like, Closet
0: Key. We played that game right. in kindergarten, right? right? Right, It's your
1: favorite song. Yes. It comes back in unit one. It comes back in unit four. Bow, hmm. wow, wow. Wow.
0: Wow. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> it comes right. back for the rest unit, right. which is unit six, correct? Mm-hmm. And it comes back in unit 10. Wow. Uh, Rocky <laughs> Mountain, see. a unit 10 song. It has the rhythm component, and it also has a great little folk dance that you right. can do with it. So, I mean, it it just all around the buttercup. I mean, I could, I could keep going on and on and on and on about all these songs that fit different units Tonal and rhythm units that sometimes are appropriate to teach earlier than the anticipated grade that you're doing the unit in.
0: Well, while we have you here, could you share some songs that could be used in Unit 4 and one of the rhythm units and from First Steps? I'm saying that by Sailor Sailor. Okay, Sailor
1: Sailor. It's a gem. It's one of those trifecta pieces. Well, that's what we'll call them. Trifecta. (laughs) Trifecta. Because it's a great. Um, TBA activity, right. right? I probably teach Sailor Sailor in second grade. Mm-hmm. As just one of my TBA yeah, just super fun game activities, yeah. right? But then it comes into play at the end of second grade because we're going to decode it.
0: Right?
1: Tonally. We'll decode it tonally at the end of second grade. And then we'll do the rhythm of it <laughs>
0: by it's the backwards. end of third grade. Right. Unit 3.
1: And then at the end of third grade, my kids can read that. Right. How exciting is that? That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: Let's think of another piece that's a trifecta piece. Knock
1: at the door, peek in, pull the latch and walk in. It's really late and my voice is shot. <laughs> but that's another trifecta piece because wouldn't you do that in kindergarten? Yeah, absolutely. as a little finger play, right? You do
0: it in the infant toddler. Yes,
1: absolutely. Um, so knock at the door would fit into unit three. Right. Unit
0: five, right? With
1: the so, and it's kindergarten TBA activity.
0: Boom trifecta.
1: Boom trifecta. Johnny works with one hammer, one hammer, one hammer. Unit five, right?
0: Right. Do re so, right? Um,
1: unit three, doo doo do, doo doo, and kindergarten. Beautiful. Yeah,
0: beat activity. All right, and since we're... There's so many songs. And since we're talking about trifectas, give me one more. <laughs> give me <laughs> uh, give me one give more. Me a tri- um, give me a, a third uh, All Around the Buttercup.
1: <sighs> All Around the Buttercup. One, two, three. If you want a pretty one, just choose me. So it fits in... <laughs> unit five. It fits into unit five. It fits into the rest... Uh, Unit Right. Unit six.
0: And then it could also fit in for without being a reading piece. Right. Without, I mean, using it as reading. Using
1: it just as a doing activity. I would probably do that in first grade or second grade.
0: But not even doing. I mean, isn't it one of the rhythm units just, but you couldn't read it because it would have a rest.
1: Uh, It would be in unit five. So by the time you got to unit six, you're ready to read it. Okay. Okay. On the staff. All right. Right
0: excellent
1: yeah i mean we can go on (laughs) but but we won't
0: we won't but the bottom line is be intentional in your repertoire selections once you've kind of not mastered but you've gotten comfortable with the a part workout um start looking at the conversational solfege book uh, and pulling out pieces and plugging it into the a part workout because it's going to make your life so much easier. Why didn't I think of this before? What is the motto of my teaching? Why didn't I think of this sooner? Funny. <laughs> um, so is there anything else you want to say? You look like you have something else you want to say.
1: No, I think the only other thing is that I think the reason I don't, follow the lesson plans in the back of the book is because I'm also a control freak and I want to I want to have many people are like that <laughs> I think some musicians may be and I, I think I want to have that flexibility of picking the repertoire
0: sure
1: that I think will engage my students right
0: you know your students yes
1: exactly and and, and, and the majority of the the pieces in the green book and and the blue uh, not the blue book the little books um are engaging they're wonderful sure, sure but I may just not want to do it in that particular order. yeah
0: I mean I think that's the beauty, not the only beauty but a beauty of this approach is Dr. Robin is presenting repertoire to you that you can use but he never says you must use this yes rather here um, is the approach in first steps is an eight part workout that is pretty specific. Plug in the repertoire that you believe is best um, following these parameters. And the same thing in Conversational Soulfish. There right. are 12 steps. Um, the one stipulation is if you're using it in this unit, it has to contain the musical idea. Otherwise, do what you need to do, choose what you need to choose. So there is no, no shame in following those lesson plans to a T. And I often, and you often, advise people to do that, especially new teachers or those beginning in the process yeah. of the the program. Just get familiar with the repertoire. Yeah, yeah. and get familiar with the, the, the parts or the 12 steps. Yes, um, Follow those, and then go ahead and riff, you know, yes. with the repertoire. And, you know, it's like in conversational solfege, I've just resurrected Poison Pattern. Mm. Do you know how long it's been? It's been six years since I've done Ooh. that game. I got so That's tired. That's like my go-to I game. Isn't that so funny? I mm-hmm. got so sick of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I don't want to do it anymore. I right. just need a break from it. Like a, sometimes you need a closet key break. You <laughs> Just need a break from closet <laughs> key. And then you bring it back in. Yeah. But as long as you're following, yeah, you know the the process.
1: And look at the culture of your school too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a large Hispanic population, plug in different songs that, you know, might be familiar to that culture. We have an incredibly large Japanese population really? at our school. So I would say probably 25% oh, wow. of my school. Um, How interesting. The students come from Japan. How cool. And they so stay. Much great music. I know. And they stay for maybe about three years and then they go back
0: mm-hmm. to Japan.
1: Usually the dads work in New York City.
0: Oh, and,
1: okay. And... Uh, they work in finance and we're so close to New York City we're a suburb so uh, they'll stay for about three years so I really try to incorporate some Japanese folk songs and believe it or not I've learned a few from families here so and sometimes they just happen to fit into a unit (laughs) and I was like this is wonderful so I'm gonna just record what you sing I'm gonna transcribe it I'm gonna stick it in
0: Binder, right? I was just <laughs> going to say, and that's why the binder is so big. And
1: that's why the binder that's is fantastic. so big. So you just have to also look at the culture of your school and really tap into the nationalities, the heritage <laughs> of your school as well.
0: All right. Well, I think that,
1: but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <isn't it?
0: laughs> we could go all day and all night talking about this. No, I and I appreciate you sharing this because I think it's just a great, um, easy. I mean, it takes a little bit of time expenditure, you know, on the part of the teacher to kind of look through. But once you've done that, you know, and you have this bank of repertoire that is not only great in the early years, but is going to help you and the students later. Right. It's just going to save you time. Yes. Um, Let's call it a hack. This is a rep hack. A rep hack. I love it. You know why? Because I'm so hip. That's why. (laughs) I talk like the hipsters.
1: You do. And hey, we coined the
0: trifecta. The trifecta. The folk song trifecta. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being willing to um, share what's a lot of years of work with the fame membership. And I hope that it helps a lot of people. I know it's already helped me. So thank you. Thank you.